Yeah, that just happened. Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. How's it going today? Dude, I ate too many Cadbury eggs. That's all I can say. Oh, well, that sounds like a delicious problem. Uh, you know, sometimes those consequences come back to get the best of you. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know you're wearing a really cool shirt today. For all of our listeners, not viewers, he's wearing a shirt that says Wingman. And then underneath, it shows Mario. It's a me, a Mario. It's a me, Mario. Such an iconic voice. It's crazy that, you know what, they went ahead and did the movie without I that know. guy. I know. Like, for some reason, I, I don't know why you would skip over that. I guess they, they wanted to differentiate it between video game and the movie. I, you know what? We're going to talk like, about Mario. why mess with what works? I get it. And I kind of agree. I think that voice is too iconic to just pass it up. Okay, we're going to talk about it. So <laughs> we will talk about it. Let's go ahead and jump into our shout outs on this episode. So first up, big thank you to Connor Geary for sending us stars on Facebook. Much appreciated. Now, CP, I don't know if you know what stars are because I'm literally asking. I don't know. I only know what the stars are in the Sonic video game that allows you to run through everything. So are we now invincible? That's Connor, if you, if you made us invincible, you have done it. You've done magic. I agree with CP there. A little tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. So, well done. <laughs> Steven messaged me and he said, good job lately with the content. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate that comment. And hopefully we have a bunch more content coming out and uh, hopefully we're only getting better. Next up is at Rebmung or Becky family. She said, Megan and Adam are taking Ben to see Mario today, his very first theater experience. Bob saw it and loved it. And Becky, to that, I have to say, wow, first theater experience? That's so much fun. Everybody remembers the first movie they went to. I think I talked about it a few episodes ago. I, mine was The Little Mermaid. CP? Yeah, yours was The Little Mermaid. Told you that I wasn't really sure what mine was, but we don't need to recap that whole episode, do we? Yeah, just just go back two episodes. Find, find the feed and just scroll back. <laughs> anyway, Becky, love you guys and hope you had a lot of fun at the movies. So next up on our shout outs is Joe McClower, who messaged us and said, thanks for the follow. Feel free to use my stuff if you want background music, segues, etc. So just wanted to say thank you so much. That that's yeah. incredible. Thank and you, Joe. We, yeah, we will go through the music. I already listened to some of it. It's great. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I, I found you. I was clicking around and there's some music. So not only do we thank you for the opportunity to check out the music, but also thank you for the follow. Much appreciated. At Giraffes65, which is Ivor, Ivor Drake said, I agree with you about colleges giving you all this knowledge, but not having a class on how to best position yourself to get a job in that field. I was talking to a friend earlier this week, comparing our college experience. I have a degree in music and said exactly the same thing you told CP about not having a class like that, that could help you succeed. So first of all, obviously I agree with that. And second of all, I'm just really happy that somebody agreed with me for once. And, uh, <laughs> Not only just CP, because I feel like all of our, our comments, all of our shout outs and stuff go to CP. They're all like, oh, yeah, CP's stories about the 90s are just so great. They, that's they why are. you have a podcast. Yeah, that's why you have a good podcast. You know, hey, all right, I, I got one. Thank you, Ivor. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so next up in our shout outs is actually uh, Sam Vargas at s.vargas67 said, really enjoying your podcast, D-Man. 
Sam, thank you. Like I told Stephen, always appreciate the comments and uh, I'm glad you're enjoying the show. This is great. And then Jazzy, you left me a wonderful comment on Twitter. I'm not going to read it. It was uh, through a DM, but I just wanted to say thank you. Loved it and uh, much appreciated. So finally, I wanted to ask you, CP. Now, I posted something on all of our social media regarding our storytime segment last week about film school. I did a throwback Thursday and posted some photos of you and I in college. And I wanted to see if you saw them. I did, and they were awesome. They were awesome. You know, it's funny because I think I made a comment. I'm like, yo, I do not look like I do, like I did in college anymore. Like, I'm much fatter. I have a beard, longer hair. My face has filled out. And I'm like, CP literally looks, especially since you cut your hair, you look exactly the same just with a beard. Well, appreciate it. But D-Man, I think you look great. You know, oh, thanks. <laughs> you're, you're getting older and wiser, but you're still good looking. So oh, take that appreciate to the bank. That goes a long way to my heart. On that note, I'll throw it over to you, CP. Do you have any shout outs on this episode? So my shout outs are actually mostly in response to those uh, throwback picks you put up. The first one is Angie M. Hunt. You said that's the CP I know from college. And well, Angie, you are the Angie I know from college. So keep it up. (laughs) Danielle Werner, 2022, said, I remember those guys and most of those nights. Good times. Miss you guys. And all I have to say is, Danielle, you are wrong. They were not good times. They were great times. And we miss you too. Very true. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, shout out to your mom, D-Man. She posted cuties. And mm. yes, we were. And I think we still are. All right. Well, Danielle, thank you so much. That was a great comment. And mom, Thanks. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the last shout out I want to give to is Jenna Kalfayan. She posted on our 30th anniversary of the Sandlot post. She said, one of my all time favorite classics. Jenna, I know you're an awesome mom, so I'm assuming we're going to say that this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. I really hope you've shown all your kids the Sandlot. I agree. I love that movie. It's actually funny with those college photos and now by dating the Sandlot at 30 years, I feel old as hell. Well, we're getting old. What can I say? I mean, it's so weird because we're not in college anymore. And yet I remember that is just such a great time in my life. And it's like, I wish I could bottle that. So just talk about it on a podcast, apparently. That's it. All right. Well, CP, that takes us into our first topic this week. What we want to discuss is actually somewhat of a legal matter. So this is about the Warner Brothers Discovery merger and a letter being sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland from Senator Elizabeth Warren and three other Democratic representatives that claim the merger has appeared to have enabled the company to adopt potentially anti-competitive practices that reduce consumer choice and harm workers. Sorry, I started going into my trailer voice there. Well, I mean, it is a scary, scary time. So despite the fact that apparently the DOJ reviewed all this years ago, so this (laughs) merger could in fact go through a year after it is officially completed. Now these Democratic representatives have issue. I can't help but feel it's political. Essentially, there were three main points that I noticed in this letter that they sent to the Department of Justice. Now, we'll just get it out there. One of the points they made was referring to the cancellation of the Batman, or I'm sorry, the Batgirl film, which Mm. according to Brandon Fraser, it was supposed to be amazing. And according to everybody else, it was supposed to be a dumpster fire. So we don't really know yet. Maybe at some day we'll get it on, you know, a straight to HBO Max or something release. But that was one of the issues they had, that this $90 million film was canceled. On that one point, you know, it's so weird when you own 
own a streaming service that you would spend $90 million making a movie and not just like put it out there. And I understand like, hey, you don't want to hurt your brand or diminish people's enthusiasm for upcoming films because you put out a piece of garbage. But I mean, on the flip side, movie studios release crap films all the time. And this is just a streaming service. So you could be like, hey, listen, we're just going to throw this out there and see if people enjoy it. And they opted for what I believe to be the only reason why you would ever do this. They opted for a write-off, a tax write-off. $90 million write-off, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm assuming if they were to release it on the streaming service, you couldn't write it off. That has to be my only guess as to why you wouldn't just release it. If you spent $90 million, seems like you might as well put it out there, right? Right. I I don't know. But on the flip side, I do want to say one more thing about this. And this kind of goes into your next point. But I just want to point out, too, that like they sent this letter saying, essentially, they canceled this film and they, they get into this whole workforce reduction thing. Now, if WB actually spent $90 million on Batgirl, it sounds like everybody got paid they just didn't make it back so So, it's not a workforce reduction issue yeah that's weird well okay take us into point two because that's kind of where it's going these are the real issues i think that that congress is making the second issue they bring up is workforce reduction and now they specifically point to cnn where 400 jobs at cnn and 350 jobs at cnn plus were erased so okay i have a question the letter that was sent you're saying that they're they're implying that only because of this merger did they axe all those jobs that's what they're implying because that cannot be true it just cannot be 350 people at cnn plus cnn plus sucked it was a total bomb i mean <laughs> no one like only 350 people subscribe so i don't know how they that expected might even it be to generous stay yeah right you know i i think they said something around like 10,000 people like checked it out i don't know yeah. how many people actually subscribed well, anyway those are just <laughs> uh rumor numbers but 300 people, 350 people losing their job at CNN Plus really, I'm guessing, didn't have much to do with the merger so much as like, hey, this streaming service just did not get off the ground. The merger was Warner Brothers owned by AT&T and Discovery Whatever, Media plus. in its own right combining. Yeah. So naturally, there was going to be some redundancy. There was going to be some jobs shedded. The weirder thing about it is while the rest of the economy self-corrected during the pandemic... Tech and media were kind of the two things isolated because all we did was sit home and consume content. Now, we're seeing a massive shedding of that excess going on in tech right now. And we're seeing the same thing going on right now over at most notably Disney. So I think it's weird that only Warner Media has been, to my knowledge, flagged for this. For some reason, they're flagging this merger. Again, I think you make a really good point here, which is often when there is a merger between especially two conglomerates, there's always casualties in a merger. That's not even weird. Like that's somewhat normal. And then, yeah, your second point is, hey, this is happening in other industries. So why the hell aren't you sending out letters to Facebook and Disney? Why are you zeroing in Mm -hmm. here? What does this have? Like what specifically about them warrants the letter? Now, I don't know if we'll solve that, but we're going to try. Now, so so the last part is about, and the last point that I noticed in the letter was combining HBO Max and Discovery Plus to create a new Max streaming service, right? We know that this is happening. So it's not going to be called HBO Max and it's not going to have Discovery in it at all. It's just going to be called Max. 
and it's supposed to be amazing. But okay. what the lawmakers say is this merger leaves questions unanswered about whether a lower price platform will have reduced quality from the current product while consumers are paying the same price and lack the transparency necessary to fully evaluate the plans and the relative prices. Now, what I think they're getting at here and, mm. and my understanding of, of that convoluted quote that they gave us was going forward, I guess there is a fear because HBO has said that they'll still, they're still thinking of kicking around either a HBO only and a Discovery Plus only version. Okay. But this Supermax, they're like, hey, there is going to be tiered products. And the lower tiers might not have all the content and they might have commercials, whereas the highest tier is going to have everything and no commercials. So my question is, why does Congress care? Yeah, that just seems like a business decision. And <laughs> consumers will make up their mind if they like any of those tiers and then you can just get rid of them. And isn't Disney doing the exact same thing? I mean, Disney is certainly when you take the bundling aspect of what they're getting at, meaning like you have uh, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu Plus. Yeah. They're definitely doing a bundle. So I can't imagine, again, if they're not sending a letter, a letter to Disney that this would really be an issue. I guess there is something about those tiers, though, that does stand out is kind of questionable. I haven't really seen it, which is that obviously some streaming services give away some of their content, a relatively limited amount of content for free, kind of like a taster, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, let's get people in, see if they're interested, see if they see their favorite shows, whatever, and then hopefully they'll become a buying customer. To my knowledge, at least the industry standard, and there's no reason this can't change. Again, it's just a business decision. I don't see a lot of tiered streaming services that limit the content it's often with ad inclusion or no ads, if that makes sense. I, I don't see tiers that they're like, hey, you don't get access to all the content, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somewhat rare. I know there's variations on this out there for the most part. You know, I think like Hulu has maybe like live TV and then uh, new episodes that just released that week. You have to pay a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So maybe that kind of counts like if you go to hbo max if you go to disney plus you go to netflix they now have an ad version i mean if you pay for netflix you get netflix's whole library you know, we haven't seen yet where they're they're limiting that. So maybe that is something, maybe a tad little thing. Yeah, it just it seems really weird. And I mean, I don't need to be the apologist for Warner Brothers, but I'm like, hey, they just celebrated their 100th birthday and you're going to drop this boom bomb on them like, hey, we need to go back and reevaluate their merger. And again, I don't see a lot that truly justifies going back and checking things out after it's already been cleared. I mean, it feels totally politically motivated, mostly because of the, the dismantling of CNN is, is what I'm feeling this is. But I wanted to know your thoughts and I wanted to know our audience's thoughts because it all just seems weird to me. Well, I am curious about one thing and this is, okay, let's say Disney's doing the same thing, right? Would it mm -hmm. be better to go after a smaller, more vulnerable service because they just might not be able to win that fight? And if things do go to court and a judge rules in favor of, you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren and the Democratic representatives, technically, then that would apply to Disney and they wouldn't have to fight Disney directly. 
maybe something about that. I mean, maybe kind of going sideways through the, you know, <laughs> going yeah, around it, back and trying to know. it just Trojan horse them, you know, the whole thing I, seems really weird to me. Well, and then the fact that they even mention CNN, which is ironic because I don't think CNN is even on HBO Max and Discovery, even though I know it's Warner it's a Brothers. It's property of Warner Brothers. And so I guess. Right. I know it's is. Warner Brothers as a whole, not HBO Max, but. Yeah. Still, it's just weird. Like, I don't know. And and I, I, I fully agree with you. I think, you know, as far as CS, CNN is concerned, you know, during the pandemic, obviously, I think people were generally watching news more frequently because there was all this, these COVID updates and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we just had time at home where you just put the news on, mm-hmm. which is why they probably thought CNN Plus was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But then we came out of the pandemic and then the pandemic itself is over. So all of those updates and this kind of fear of, of not getting the most updated versions of the news is gone. And it's like, yeah, then if you hired a bunch of people, because that's okay, if you just went and looked at like, how many people did CNN hire over a given time? And is there a correlation between viewership, right? You can prove that like, it'd be different if they were like, we we just want to get rid of CNN, and we're going to do it slowly. And we're going to cut off their arm and then their leg. And we've talked about streaming a couple times. But I think that two the two major points that they make in this letter, the CNN plus demise, and this new algamation of two streaming services that exist is just as I see the casualties of the streaming wars. We are on the other side of it now. Five years ago, there were 30,000 streaming services. Now people are only picking the very best. And because of that, it's led to mass reduction in choice. Yes, there are fewer streaming services. Quite frankly, they're better. I'd rather have a couple good ones than 45 mediocre ones. Sure. Part of that is just the evolution of the marketplace. Yeah, the maturity of the market. So, and you know, I honestly, like, I'll leave my opinion here, but these senators, these representatives, like, if you've watched any of the, the hearings regarding maybe Facebook scandal or TikTok recently, like, say what you will, fall where you will on whether you like Facebook or hate them or you think TikTok is, you know, a terrible spy or, you know, you love dance videos. I don't really care about that. If you just like watch these trials and watch the people asking the questions, they have no clue what they're talking about. Like they literally don't even know how the basics of these products or for the, that matter, the internet work. Like it's like ridiculous, you know? Yeah. No, it's wild. Audience, give us your thoughts. That's just all I wanted to talk about with that. That takes us into our topic. Now, this is the big movie that came out last weekend, and that's the Super Mario Brothers movie. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not seen it either, but I'm going to check it out. I know. Like, tomorrow. I'm going to. I want to see it. I want to see it on the big screen. I mean, I hear it's just a, like a colorful blitz of action. I'm excited for that. I want to see that. And I think it'd be better on the big screen. The Super Mario Brothers movie. So what we have here is not really a discussion about the movie itself, but more so if the movie's successful, and it looks like it will be, looks like it's going to rake somewhere in between like, you know, 170 and $190 million, which is a pretty successful opening weekend. Good weekend. What everybody online is talking about is will Nintendo start a shared cinematic universe using all of the Nintendo properties? Uh, To my knowledge, I haven't heard anything from Nintendo explicitly saying that that is in their plans. I think right now they were just kind of going to see what the success looks like for Mario and then kind of either adjust accordingly or continue with the master plan, if that really is their plan. You know, kind of reminds me a little bit of like Iron Man. 
you know, mm-hmm. when Marvel bet the house on Iron Man, if Iron Man flopped, I mean, I don't think we would have ever got the Avengers, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they they just had to see like, is Iron Man or people receptive to Robert Downey Jr.? Do they like this? And it appears, I mean, from all the people that I've heard that have gone and seen that movie, it, it's all really positive reaction, even to one of the videos that I posted on social media you know almost all the comments were from people that were like this movie was great like it was a lot of fun it was kind of you know it was what i expected but i mean i'm sure the movie like if you go into critics evaluations and everything like it has its flaws but generally i think audience members are coming out of the movie very enthusiastic my question to you cp is would you want to see another shared cinematic universe and if they're doing a nintendo one how do you think they should do it okay Yes, I'm all for shared cinematic universes when they are done properly. If our friends at Universal have a good idea of what they're doing with this guy, I'm all for it. Now, the question that I have for you, D-Man, is this. I don't really know what a Mario cinematic shared Nintendo universe is going to look like because we've seen it. The only way I can think of it is Super Smash Brothers. Are we going to get a Super Smash Brothers movie? That's kind of the speculation so there's these these team up movies or these team up games, you know, whether it's Mario Party or Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart, where they kind of incorporate a lot of the characters from Nintendo properties that aren't exclusively Mario, although mm-hmm. they tend to name all the games after Mario, which is why people are, are thinking that they it might go to this. Now, of course, in the, in this the actual the super mario brothers movie if you've even just watched the trailer you know that there's references to mario kart you know more than likely there's probably some references to super smash brothers yeah i was just curious do you think that would be the way you know because i'm not gonna lie like if they did super smash brothers but like mortal Kombat and like all of the nintendo characters like half die that'd be kind of cool oh it would be awesome and (laughs) i mean we love the game granted i think everyone would agree the biggest shortcoming of the super smash game series is that the stories are very weak the whatever they yeah. call it campaign game, mode game, or, yeah game mode or whatever yeah campaign. it's always really boring and the only reason why we do it is just to unlock all the characters who we don't start the game with but sure. i think if I, the real promise in a nintendo cinematic universe is the nintendo characters i mean we've talked about this for years the point is the reason why people keep buying new nintendo systems is because we love the characters in the games they're really iconic they're memorable for two generations now people have been getting to know these characters and i think that whatever the story is whether it goes in the direction of super smash or something that we've never seen before i think that would be Hmm. really great for us as nintendo fans because We love these characters. It's kind of shocking that it took them this long to get them in motion pictures, but I'm excited to see where it goes. One of the things that makes me think that they're not gearing up for like a shared universe is I looked this up. I haven't seen anything specific to long-term contracts for the voice actors. Now, voice actors are not quite as important, say, as like the actors in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it doesn't appear, though, that they have like locked anybody in, which means maybe at most they were thinking, hey, we're going to do this movie and maybe a sequel. You know, maybe their plans weren't as broad. But on the flip side, 
what makes me think maybe they would is because they started opening the Nintendo lands at Universal. You know, the first one was over in Japan, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was at Universal, but out here it's at Universal Studios. And that makes me think that they have a broader vision for how they want that prop those properties to be used. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one. Would I love to see it? Absolutely. And I'll say that definitively after I go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. But word of mouth has me believing that I'm going to enjoy myself. Now, I would agree. I would agree. I would love to see Super Smash Brothers if they can come up with a really cool story. I would love to see Legend of Zelda. I mean, like Ocarina of Time is just like an epic story. I think that could actually just be ported to a movie and you could make it absolutely incredible. No, don't do it as a movie. Do it as a series. Super Smash Brothers, though, I don't know if there's an inherent story in there. They'd have to build that up. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I do love Smash Brothers so much. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's my favorite game. Speaking of Nintendo Land, it's actually really funny. Shout out to my friends Chris and Caroline. They just went last weekend. And I don't know what you know about it, but they told me it's very much like the initial run at Galaxy Edge. Okay. You get a ticket. You have to wait in line. There is exactly one ride and one restaurant, and that's all that it is. Hmm. Essentially, you get inside, you still have to wait in line. And I heard that for the for the Mario ride, it's something like two hours. Yeah, and I've heard from people that have actually gone, they had the, the pre-tickets, that the Mario ride was fun. It was cool, but not necessarily something that they were like, this blows your mind. It does something that maybe we've never seen before. I just heard it was, they were like, it was cool, but I don't I've know. I've heard that, but I've always felt like that's what I've always heard about all Universal rides. Everyone's like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's not like I'm going to come back well, like, multiple times in the year to do this. For instance, I heard over at uh, California Adventure, Disneyland, they opened a uh, Spider-Man ride, which I heard it was kind of underwhelming. I heard it was, you know, it's cool, but not anything that I would be like, CP, you need to go to California Adventure and ride this thing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Versus if you go to Rise of the Resistance at Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland, or I think in Florida, it's at MGM Studios or Hollywood Studios or whatever that's called now. That is a ride that I would be like, CP, if you're a fan of Star Wars and you like going to theme parks, I highly recommend you go ride this ride. It's absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. And again, for our listeners, just scroll back down that feed And we talked about theme park rides. But when it comes to the Mario Land, you know, I was interested to see they're releasing Super Mario Brothers, the movie, kind of along the same. I think, you know, the the theme park area opened up only like a month ago, a little bit longer, maybe February for pre pre preseason. So I was curious if they were going to do any sort of shared stuff between the movie and the land. I didn't see a whole lot of that either. So I don't know. Overall, it makes me think that I don't believe Nintendo is building to this shared universe. May it happen? Possible. But most indications don't say to me that like they have this grand, grand plan. As cool as it would be, as much as I would love to see it, I don't think it's in the works. That's just my opinion. Makes sense. So while we're on the topic, though, of the Super Mario Brothers movie and really Nintendo in general, I wanted to end this episode by doing a list of our top five favorite video game movies oh yeah so and this is this is a mixed bag video game movies have had a tough go of it even the good ones 
you know, they're <laughs> they're good enough to make a list, but if you were to put them up against, you know, classics, you're like, no, they don't they don't hold a lot of water. So, hey, sure, do they do well in their own genre? Yeah, but when you start making, you know, broadening the scope and comparing them to to great movies, it's like, mm, these are only all right. So I'm curious, CP, you have actually seen quite a few video game movies. Oh, I've yeah. seen I am such a many, man. but not all of them. <laughs> and I'm curious, you know, I'm going to throw it over to you first. I want to know what your list is and what your favorite video game movies are. All right. Video game movies. And I know we talked about this a long time ago. It's really hard to get it right. And I think part of it is because you're taking these 60, 80 hour stories and condensing them down into an hour and a half, two hours. And so much gets cut out. I think the other problem with video game movies is we either have to choose between a faithful adaptation which is mm. usually disappointing because it's not exactly the way the game was or a reimagination of a game and the character that we love, which is usually disappointing because it's not what we want to get in a movie. And I think that's probably why this genre has really been so hard for filmmakers to pin down. I'm going to start with an honorable mention, and I'm listing this as an honorable mention because it really didn't have a theatrical release in the United States. Okay. Um, and that is Resident Evil Degeneration from 2008 and Resident Evil Damnation from 2012. Okay. Both of Where these, were they released? Yeah, what's the deal they, with this? They had theatrical releases in Japan and they actually killed it. In the United States, it was pretty much a straight to DVD thing. Hmm. Both of these were animated films done by the same engine as the Resident Evil game. Wow. They have oh. the same voice actors and feature the characters of Leon and Claire, voiced by Paul Mercer and Allison Court, who are the main is that, characters. Leon, is that Resident Evil 4? Well, yeah, and both of them are in Resident Evil 2. IGN, when they reviewed the film Degeneration, said it, it looks and feels like a 90-minute cutscene. Now, for me, as a video game fan, and especially someone who loved the Resident Evil games, that was exactly exactly what i wanted from the film interesting the sequel actually has a hundred percent approval rating on rotten tomatoes which is pretty insane Rare. so verified air right there yeah if i was to say despite the fact that it didn't have a theatrical release that would probably top my list but we're gonna make it an honorable mention because it's not like something that we could have rolled over and watched in the theater is this anything that can be streamed anywhere or do you got to get like a pirated version it's on voodoo check okay, it out cool Pick there it you up. Go. okay curious yeah so number five, I'm going to go with Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time from 2010. This was That's the, movie. the sequel. Is that the no. sequel or the first one? This was the first movie. Okay. And this had Jake Gyllenhaal, Ben Kingsley. It was based on the 2003 video game, which is one of my favorite video games all time. Incredible story. It was directed it by game. Mike Newell, who actually directed Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, okay. Cool. It's it's okay. kind of a lot, right? It's this massive story of Prince of Persia condensed. It's fun. It's campy. There's cool action, violence, kind of what we expected from a Prince of Persia movie. So Jake Gyllenhaal's long hair. Yeah, swords. It's all good <laughs> stuff. Number four. That's where you got your inspiration, isn't it? Oh, wait, tell, tell, who doesn't want to be Jake Gyllenhaal? Number four for me, Mortal Kombat from 1995. This was the P, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson and I do think it's funny from 1998 when Rotten Tomato was founded all the way up until 2018, this movie actually held the highest critical rate uh, rating on the site of any video game movie. I mean, hmm. that's not really saying much because the genres typically sucked, but I thought it was fun. The movie's got action. The visual effects are campy, but the music more than makes up for it. Hmm. Yeah, I do love that movie. Okay. Now, number three, and I will throw out this disclaimer that this 
may affect my credibility in any film ranking we ever do after this. Okay. Number three for me is Street Fighter from 1994. I can't, yeah, I can't believe you just ranked that higher than Mortal Kombat. That's it has eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has Jean Claude Van Damme in my favorite Jean Claude Van Damme role. It has uh, Raúl Julia in his final movie, and it's just awesomely bad. When when Julia and I lived together, we used to watch this movie all the time. It's in no way like the video game. It's in no way a good movie, but it is so great to watch. It's just hilarious. It's entertaining. Guile's motivational speech is just awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would love to watch it and have a couple beers and just kind of laugh at the time capsule that it is. But, oh, man, CP, I think that is a swing and a miss <laughs> over Mortal Kombat. That's crazy. Number two, I am going to go with Sonic the Hedgehog from 2020. Now, if you've listened to this show, you know I love this movie. Ben Schwartz, Jim Carrey, James Marsden. I love it. The reason why I have it at number two and not number one is it is not actually a very faithful adaptation of the Sonic video game. I think it's only a- like the beginning, right? Is like yeah. the only part that like takes place in that world. And then at the end, they kind of like jump through some rings, but really not much. But I think it's a great reimagination. The character of Sonic is very much in line with kind of how we imagine the character of Sonic. I think they do a great way of blending, you know, a hedgehog that runs at the speed of sound in with the real world in a way that works. So I love it. I find it entertaining. That's number two for me. Number one. Tomb Raider from 2018. This was the Alicia Verkander, Walter Goggins, Dominic West. And it's actually based on the 2013 video game, also called Tomb Raider, which was a reboot of the game. Yeah, it was a reimagining. Yeah, updated graphics and everything. I love the game. I love the movie. I actually wrote an article a couple of years back about how I think that this is the best video game movie ever made. They keep it very much in line with the story. It's very much in line with who the character is, but they do a good job of fitting it into a two hour film. And obviously people are going to have criticisms. They always do. But this I think is the very best of uh, all the video game movies out there. I did want to ask you something before I move on to my list. So when we look at something like they just made a show for Halo over on, I think, Paramount Plus or something. Yeah. And then they also adapted at least last one of us. season, The Last of Us. Yep. I'm curious, do you think the format of like an, uh, an extended series or an actual show would serve the video game genre better than a movie because movies generally just haven't been that well received. What are your thoughts on just the medium? Like, where do you think they're better? I think that the television's approach is actually the best. I know at this time, Amazon is planning to adapt God of War into a series. Oh, that's cool. They recently acquired the rights to Tomb Raider and they're going to be doing a series on it. And I think, again, it's because... When we play a video game, we're investing 20, 40, 60, 80 hours with these characters. In a, yeah. No one's going to watch a 40, 60, 80 hour movie, but we <laughs> might watch a 20 hour television series. So that's totally viable. So I think it's just a better way to capture the massive story that a video game brings in, an, in a different medium. Right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> CP, we're going to make a 40 hour movie. All right. Boom. I'm uh, on. I'm, I'm game. Single runtime. There's no breaks. <laughs> there's so, no, there's no skip, skip intro. It's one long movie. <laughs> so what's you, what's your, uh, what's your opinion? 
Well, as far as streaming goes, I'm, I am watching The Last of Us. Haven't finished season one, but I do think that, you know, obviously with video games, the way progression works, levels, bosses, things like that, it does make a little bit more sense, especially with the way video games have evolved since maybe, you know, you go back to, you know, Super Mario Brothers, right? Sonic the Hedgehog, some of the basics mm-hmm. where it can't be just kind of boiled down to these basic assets. It's like, no, this story is longer than, mm-hmm. right? And I, I do think shows might be the future of the genre. We'll still get some movies, but, you know, I like we said at the top of this segment, you know, they just haven't fared that well. Uh, there's so many that we've gone to see. And, and a lot of the times we're like, you know, we went and saw Doom. We went and saw, what was the one? It was a PS2 game based on it, like the creators of Grand Theft Auto. Um, Max Payne? Yeah, Max Payne. Like, was that Wahlberg? Who was that? Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg, and it was awful. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of these these video game adaptations, they just haven't panned out. So I'm interested to see if they kind of convert it over to shows or even now kind of doing more faithful kind of adaptations, right? The Super Mario Brothers movie, as we see it now today, the one they just put out, I don't know that that would really work in live action. Probably mm-hmm. not. You know, it's just not the right medium. So like maybe switching some of the properties to this animated format and then taking some of the more live action, you know, dramatic stuff and and drawing it out in a series might be how the genre moves forward. Just my two cents. No, that's an interesting point. A couple of years ago, they came out with a Ratchet and Clank live action movie, well, animated movie, but it was the same animation, same voice actors as the game. And it was kind of the exact same thing was what you're talking about. It was, what do fans want? They want to play the game. So let's give them two hours of that in a short story with these characters set in the same universe. And it was a really faithful adaptation. So what do you think are the best films? Well, my top five list starts with uh, number five, and that's Pokemon, the first movie. So I actually did go see this in theaters. It was a great experience. I watched the show. I love the intro song, you know, gotta catch them all. Mm -hmm. Pokemon. You know, it was great. <laughs> Ash Ketchum, the whole thing. But more than that, you know, I was a huge fan of the original game, you know, uh, just Pokemon Red and Blue. They were fantastic. Game Boy games, which is wild when you think about the impact Pokemon has had. And th- that came out on Game Boy exclusively, which is just crazy. Right. And, uh, you know, I loved the games. I loved, I, I still love, uh, that game is so good. Pokemon Red and Blue. I guarantee you, you could re-release it. And if we picked it up, we'd enjoy it. It's awesome. Oh, it's just a great game. And the movie doesn't really necessarily capture, I think, the spirit of the game so much as it does the spirit of the show. Obviously, Pikachu was a huge star and they were going to get a movie out of him no matter what. You know, now they have like Detective Pikachu and all this other stuff. But for some reason, this one just, you know, it felt a little bit like the culmination of the show. This was the big payoff if you'd been watching the show. And it was a lot of fun. So I really enjoyed it. And like I said, it's a movie I actually got to go see in theaters. So next up, number four, is also a movie that I saw in theaters with uh, Sean Gaston, and that's the original Resident Evil. Mm. So what I really liked about this movie was it was somewhat mysterious. Uh, it had a real kind of, a, you know, there's a like something at play here that's more yeah. than just, you know, zombie shooter. Yeah. And that was really fun because obviously I think the series itself kind of devolves into zombie shooter. Yeah. You know? It just kind of becomes like, hey, what if we set it in, you know, Las Vegas after (laughs) it's been decimated? You know, you're kind of like, 
okay, it's the same, it's same exact story, just in a new location or whatever, yeah. you know, and then they just kind of come up with creative ways to make the zombies harder to defeat or something. Yeah. So, but this one was interesting. I felt it had somewhat of a compelling story. I, I didn't find the main character to be all that compelling, kind of a, you know, protagonist, you know, uh, from uh, what's that Christopher Nolan movie? Uh, Tenet. The tenant, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, she was just kind of like protagonist, kind of like a video game character. Seriously, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, you learn the names like Link, but really you're like just like elf looking dude. And <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, yeah, I just I, I thought uh, the way it was shot, it was very interesting. The pacing was cool. Uh, I thought the acting actually for the main character was somewhat good, even though, like I said, they're kind of stock. They just kind of kept it muted as a you know in a weird way that added to the mystery to me and i thought the way they played it was just really cool so i liked that no love for alice movie. huh yeah alice yeah um number three on my list is sonic the hedgehog which you had on on your movie list and i actually watched this i think because you ended up telling me that it was good so your word of mouth means something cp that's that's why you got a podcast man so <laughs> Yeah, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. I was very skeptical, especially based on the original kind of design of the character. I know mm -hmm. that was, you know, really drew some ire from video game fans online. And it's hard not to if you don't just make him look like Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. And that happened. You know, a lot of people found him to be creepy. His teeth were weird. He had that kind of, you know, pointy nose. I don't know. It was one of those things where I think... Uh, the movie ended up being really fun. Like you mm -hmm. said, sure. Does it necessarily embody a level from the video game? No, but they seem to find a spirit in the movie, uh, you know, especially between the relationship between him and James, James Marsden. And they, they just found a dynamic that worked while incorporating elements from the game. And I yeah. thought that was impressive. Yeah, dude, I love the Sonic movie. Obviously, I said that, I think. Even the sequel was good. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Absolutely. Number two on my list this is this is my swing and a miss, CP. But my memories of it are just so good, and that's Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. What? Now, oh, this is not a movie that I rewatch. I'm actually putting it this high on the list because of the experience I had going to see it. So, which was a lot of fun, going to the Dollar Theater back in the Midwest, and at that time the graphics were absolutely stunning and somewhat yeah. mind blowing uh, because obviously video game uh machines at that time they they just didn't have enough computing power to deliver graphics to that level yet mm -hmm. and so that was you know really it was one of the first times we saw kind of humans yeah that's faces true. doing some stuff it was it was kind of groundbreaking although it did have that like ghost face dead eye look you know yeah like their their mouths kind of matched it was like anime you know you dub over it and you're like it looks close enough close enough yeah I don't know. I just had so much fun with everybody when we went to the theater. It was just such a blast. So it's like one of my favorite all-time theater experiences. The movie theater was pretty empty. So we had it to ourselves. You know, it was cool. It was just us. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. So uh, that's true. That, that to me is why it stands out. Now, like I said, rewatchable quality, not so much. I don't really rewatch it. <laughs> but number one, I do rewatch. And this is why I'm going to say yours was a swing and a miss. I am putting Mortal Kombat at number one. As you mentioned, I think obviously from the video game, the movie does incorporate iconic characters, camp, great one-liners, amazing music, 90s graphics, all in a package that just somehow 
works in the weirdest of ways mm-hmm. because we just saw with the new mortal Kombat that came out and again scroll down that feed because i think we talked about that too it's funny because they try to do a new mortal Kombat, and it just doesn't really work i think i was a fan of the opening sequence and then after that i was like man it just kind of goes downhill and yeah. somehow the original mortal Kombat 1995 just captured a spirit about it that was able to carry the whole thing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna put that on the writers and the directors they just kind of knew what they had and they're like we're we're rolling with this and we're gonna make it awesome and that was what i think that was the energy i got from it was they're like what if we have him like break his neck you know <laughs> yeah do it yeah let's yeah. just do it and so they're like, I don't know, it just kind of came through as like, they're like, wouldn't it be cool if like Goro showed up? And they're like, hell yeah, bring, get him. How much put would it cost to get Goro? Put him, yeah, put him how much the would movie. it cost to get Goro? Get him here. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the final showdown with Shang Tsung and the music and the whole thing, you know, Mortal Kombat. Just mm-hmm. awesome. So it was incredible. And the sequel doesn't really live up to that hype, but it, it was oh. still okay. What are you? T- Annihilation is awful. Yeah, I, it, it it doesn't get to Johnny Cage this one. dies in like the first like one minute of the movie. Like, oh yeah, no, it's not, I'm so not stupid. Not a fan. Well, anyway, that does it for my list, and that actually does it for our episode this week. To all of our listeners, to everybody tuning in, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, be sure to continue the conversations on social media and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I guess if you still use iTunes. You can uh, subscribe to any of the social media channels or find that feed that I've been referencing all episode long at filmmakerscompass.com where, yeah, we have all of our links and everything you'll ever need if you're a fan of the show. CP, I'm going to throw it over to you. Take us out. Make sure you tell us if you saw the Mario movie and if you like it and share your list of favorite or least favorite video game movies. In the meantime, keep watching movies and we're going to see you back here next week.